the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time to sit back, relax, and listen to Conversations with Joan. Conversations with Joan will inspire, motivate, and empower you. Live your best life now. Listen, learn, think, and decide. And now, here's your host, Joan Herman. Welcome to Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life's Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. Conversations with Joan focuses on topics that are important to your life, from health and wellness to professional development to personal well-being. Changemakers join me to share their insights, tips, and strategies so you can thrive and live your best life now. Thank you for taking time for yourself, and thank you for letting us be a part of your life. Now, let's start talking. When today's guest, Kim Russo, was a child, she discovered she had an amazing gift. She could communicate with the dead. Skeptical, she denied her talent for years. But as Kim reconciled her ability with her traditional upbringing, she embraced who she is. Today, Kim's a world-famous psychic medium who teaches us how to access the world beyond our own. She joins us today to discuss how we can leave our fear at the door and use the spiritual tools we already have to find the answers that can fulfill our destiny. Kim is known as the happy medium. She starred on Lifetime Movie Network's popular show, The Haunting Of, and her first book was The Happy Medium. Her new book is Your Sole Purpose, Learn How to Access the Light Within. Welcome, Kim. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me, Joan. How are you? I am great, Kim, and I'm so excited that you're back on the show. You were here a few years ago when your first book came out, and... It was really a a fan favorite, so I'm so glad that you're back to share a little bit more about your work and what your new book is all about. So as I mentioned in the introduction, you discovered at an early age that you had something special, something that was going on within you. And because of the way you were raised, it was something that you at that time really weren't comfortable with. So can you tell us a little bit about what you were experiencing as a child and how you were able to then reconcile those things that were occurring within you to who you were? Well, every night as a young child, when I would go into bed, I shared a bedroom with my sister. Whenever she would fall asleep, there would be these I like to call them entities because they were people, but they didn't have solid bodies. Uh, And there was always this light that was shining into our our bedroom window from the street. And so it wasn't completely pitch black. But wherever the light would shine right into my bedroom is where I can see these shadowy figures that were translucent. But as a child, I didn't have any of this terminology to explain, but I knew that they were people and they had expressions on their faces and I could see what they were wearing, but I knew that they weren't solid. But that didn't really dawn on me at the time. And they would they would stand at the foot of my bed, the same group of entities every night daily, and they would just stare me down with no expression, no smile no signs of approval, and I just never understood what they wanted from me. As a child, were you frightened by this? I was terrified, terrified. And my sister never saw what I saw. I would wake her up, and she would just say, I don't see anything, go back to sleep. She's uh, three years older than me. And so I always looked to her for safety. She was my older sister. She protected me. And I always tried to keep her up late because I never wanted to go to sleep. And then I would finally go to sleep with the with the covers over my head. And um, I would always have my father come in and check under my bed. And, of course, he would never see anything. And it, it was it was the strangest thing is as if only I could see them. Uh, and they never spoke a word to me. As an adult now, I look back and say they probably wanted my help of some sort. But I didn't know that. I didn't even know that I was capable of seeing entities that don't exist in the, in the earthly dimension. Uh, so I just learned to live with this, thinking that 
I was hallucinating, thinking that since no one else could see it, I just will keep this a little secret and not tell anybody because it must be in my imagination. And so I would always feel people walking behind me as I walked to school, uh, feeling someone breathing down my neck, going up steps and down steps, feeling someone was right in back of me. But then thinking again, I had a very active imagination. But I now know that I didn't have an active imagination now that I'm an adult and this is my life's work. So, Kim, how were you able to reconcile what was happening with you with your upbringing? Well, I was I was raised very Christian, so I was taught that anything having to do with the dead is not to be touched, explored, or anything of the sort. So I always tried to just ignore my abilities, and I grew up going to Catholic school thinking that I was a sinner mm-hmm. because these people were coming to me, and uh, I thought it, it was not of the Bible, of the church. This is what what we were taught. So as I grew up, long story short, I was guided by the other side. I know this now. I met this ex-priest who became a psychic and started helping people with his psychic abilities. And when I met with him, he told me he doesn't like to call himself a psychic. He likes to say that he has the gift of prophecy and the gift of knowledge. And I thought that was so profound Because I heard about this in the church. I heard about this in my religion, that prophets were in the Bible, and they can predict future events. So I wondered how that was different from what I was able to do. And then I realized as I I did more research and I met with this ex-priest that it's really just terminology and what people like to call things to feel comfortable with themselves. So if I call myself a prophet then I'm okay. I'm accepted by the church. But if I call myself a psychic who, or a seer, then I'm not accepted by the church. So it's just so much contradiction, and I have to learn my own truth within. And this uh, ex-priest, his name was Frank. God rest his soul. He's now passed on. He, he said to me with such simplicity, he said, "If do people walk away from your, your readings or your insight with trepidation and trauma, or are they walking away with peace in their heart? And actually, that those were the exact words that people were telling me, that they were finally able to sleep at night, that they have never felt more peace after meeting with me and knowing their loved ones were okay or whatever other insight I imparted by whatever I received through channeling. And I understood that as long as I always worked from the highest good, from the highest level of the highest God force, that I was helping to heal, not to hurt. And so I keep that to this day as my motto, as my, you know, mantra is always asking for information for the highest good for all concerned. Do you think that most people have an intuitive sense that can be developed? Yes, I believe everybody was born with this gift. It's not even a gift. It's a survival mechanism, just the same way that animals in the wild have an instinct to survive and to thrive. We were born with the same instincts, and we were given those instincts that were meant to filter through our energy system, which is also known as a chakra system. And we, If you're alive and breathing and well, and you have a pulse, You have an auric field and an energy system or a chakra system. We all have this. We were taught at early ages to suppress these systems. So therefore, we, we dampened our abilities. We all were born with this energetic system that was meant to help us thrive and survive. And so one of my goals is to help people get back in touch with this system. And it filters through the heart. So a lot of people are skeptical and guarded and hurt and are living with grief, and they don't believe in things they cannot see, so the heart chakra is is blocked. I speak about how to unblock your your heart to live your best life, because that's how you access your energy system. Opening the heart is equivalent to raising your vibration. So people say, well, what does that mean? Well, if you're living in a low, dense, depressed kind of state, your vibration If you think about it, it makes sense. The vibration of your energy field is low and slow. When you start to raise your vibration by opening up your heart, there's so many things you can do from, I advise the simplest things to starting with 
if it's possible, allowing more love into your life. And people say, well, how do you do that? Well, start off, if you can, by getting an animal, a pet, uh, a puppy, a, a cat, something that gives unconditional love and allows you to give that unconditional love back. Uh, you, can, you can actually get out into nature and absorb a lot of sunlight, uh, go into nature and get grounded, hug a tree, anything living, get more greens or, or, or juices and fruit that have a living vibration that help, that can help you raise your vibration. Um, dancing, if you can believe it, dancing and music can help you raise your vibration. Anything that brings joy into your life, aside from alcohol or drug abuse or anything that lowers your vibration, because those things are just temporary joy, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you get a temporary fix, and then all of a sudden the chemicals and these things can bring you to a low, slow vibration. So any any kind of form of love that you can allow into your life, uh, whenever you get to the highest expression of yourself, of your soul, you are automatically intuitive. It's a byproduct of raising your vibration. All of a sudden, you start to know things you should normally not know. You know, you start to become in sync with the universe and the higher mind. So we're all connected to this one divine higher mind but the key is learning how to think with it and and i've noticed in my own life kim that those are things that have been happening to me more and more that you know and i bring more of that positive in i'm raising my vibration and i am knowing things i'm more intuitive i'm following everything that you just advise we do and it does make a big difference because you bring more of that in then oh yeah Right. They're, they're like uh, raindrops. You know, one goes to the other. It, it Light does attract light. So when you start to see the rewards of this mindset and this heart opening, you will start to attract more of the same. And that's the law of attraction. It's, it's one of the laws of the soul. Um, it's not an earthly law. It's a universal law. But when we're talking about laws of the soul... There's a bunch of laws, and if we can understand those laws, we would be so much better off. Because we are the spiritual beings having a human experience. It's not the other way around. We are spiritual beings first and foremost. Kim, so many of us feel like we're all alone. Are we really? Do we have people that guide us through life, and and are they with us our entire life? Yes, we absolutely, absolutely do. There are unseen forces from relatives that have gone before you, believe it or not, even ancestors and and, uh, grandparents that you might not have ever met, uh, they do care about the lineage of their family. They do care. And then we have our own main spirit guide that comes into, into the world with us. There's one main one, and they leave with us when we leave. And as we go through our journey of learning and developing, we start to attract different spirit guides based on what we are doing and learning at that point in our lives. So if someone is in medical school, for example, they may be attracting medical guides or or, uh, healing guides from the other side that are guiding them to information or giving them new breakthroughs in medicine. So any type of invention or any type of um, idea that comes out of the blue that can help humanity, that's not just coming out of nowhere. It's being filtered into people's psyches and consciousness from a higher realm. That's Mm -hmm. how uh, John Lennon and all the great musicians, uh, they say that they woke up with a song in their head. Well, of course they did. It's not their song, and they were given the song from the higher mind. You know, Kim, and I'm sure a lot of people say this to you all the time. One of the things that's that's kind of difficult to to try to understand, we live a life like, so for example, I've lost my parents and my siblings. So we live this life, and we're connected to these people that we love, and then one day they're gone. And I know often I'll say to myself, well, there has to be more because you can't have this great love and then it just ends. So the people that we're surrounded with, the people that we love, do they travel with us for eternity in different forms? Or is it just, you know, my mother might go on to something else and then 
and do a different job and I may never be with her again. How does that work? Great question. Uh, and I've often pondered that same thought. Like the, the love is so strong that it can crack a hole open in your heart and it can even allow for a person to die weeks later. So yes, it, it, grief is one of the, the hardest things to get through. But yes, um, the only vibration, the highest vibration, so we spoke of vibrations, higher vibrations and low vibrations. The highest vibration that exists ever in the universe, on the planet, everywhere, is the vibration of love. It transcends logic, space, and time, and it can never be destroyed. That is one of the strongest bonds there is, and that is why I say love opens up the heart chakra. So when we have this love for each other, not only do they hang out with us, the only thing that, that perishes is the human body. The soul cannot never be destroyed. It doesn't die. Energy cannot die. It just changes form, like you said. So we do reconnect with these souls whenever we leave this planet. And we go back. I studied near-death experiences as well. So there are so many, you know, hundreds of thousands of accounts of people coming back to the earth after having experienced a true physical death of their heart stopping. They've experienced seeing their loved ones in spirit, seeing their pets, seeing their, their mother, their father, their grandparents, uh, their friends, their co-workers, everyone that ever mattered to them. And so many times when they come back to, to speak of this encounter, their life is never the same again because they've been touched by the highest vibration of the other world. So then they want to just preach the gospel of the fact that the soul never dies. They've experienced it firsthand. And because I'm a medium and I connect with these souls without having to die physical, a physical death, I am here to say that I would never know the things that I know if I were not in communication with this realm. There's no way I would be able to come up with details of things that I come up with. And it even shocks me every reading that I do because I'm still in human form and I can't comprehend, although I, I know it to be true, I am still grieving the, my loved ones on the other side. And until I get to that place where I know I'm reunited with them, uh, then I'll, I'll truly know that my life's work <laughs> was, you know, not in vain. It was on the money. But the thing about, uh, would you say, travel in circles, we do travel in soul circles. So although your mother might have been your mother in this earthly life, uh, the next life, she may choose to be your sister. But the same souls travel in circles. And we come back in different lifetimes as different uh, characters, so to say, like actors in a play, to sort of balance out whatever karma or whatever. Some people do do pass away with unresolved issues with their loved ones. And so a lot of the times we can resolve those things on the other side or we choose to come back into the earthly body to resolve those things. So, you know, we, we, we do have karma with people and there are people we meet for the first time that we feel like we've known them forever and ever, and we're so comfortable with them. And they could just be people that have come back in your life, but that you've known in past lives, such as soulmates, or there are some relationships that shouldn't be together in this lifetime, uh, love relationships, but they can't seem to let go of one another, thinking that it's the right fit. But when in reality, it was the right fit in another lifetime, and the memory of that lifetime still you know, sort of carries over into this lifetime. And they're so toxic for each other, but they think they're right for each other because of the love they share. I think it's fascinating. And if our listeners would like to learn more about what Kim and I have been talking about, you can get a copy of her book, Your Soul Purpose, Learn How to Access the Light Within. Kim, thank you so much for joining us. Your work gives us a lot to think about, and it brings comfort to so many people. So I'm really happy that you spent this time with us. And again, her book is Your Soul Purpose. And Kim, anytime you'd like to come back, I would love to have you back on the show. Oh, I would love to. Thank you for the platform, uh, you know, raising awareness. I appreciate that. And uh, I think your show is fabulous. So thank you for having me. This is Conversations with Joan. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
How much can the right foods do for you? A lot more than weight control. The right foods can increase your energy, improve your outlook, and strengthen your body's natural defenses. What foods can do all that? Primo Health Solutions will show you using metabolic typing. This remarkable program lets your body tell you what it needs to work best. Call them today at 347-903-7030. That's 347-903-7030. Or go to PrimoHealthSolutions.com. Using metabolic typing, Primo Health Solutions will let your body work best. Calm, vitality, mindfulness. We all want them, but they seem so hard to attain. Escape the stress and frenzy of the city streets. New York Open Center offers courses, trainings, and a vibrant community to help you start your journey for a more balanced and healthy life. Visit our website at opencenter.org for more information. Stop by our cafe and bookstore for all your wellness needs. Find your center at 30th and Madison. Hi, this is Joan Herman. Did you know that Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life publishes a free monthly digital magazine that can be read online or emailed to your inbox? Every month, nationally recognized leaders in their field provide information to educate, inspire, and motivate you. We believe in a holistic approach to life, incorporating mind, body, and spirit. Check out a copy of 24-7 Magazine, visit CYACYL.com, and be sure to tell your friends. productive life but sometimes we just need a little help our coach on call experts provide strategies to help you live your best life now joining me today is allison carmen a business consultant life coach and author of the gift of maybe offering hope and possibility in uncertain times allison's podcast 10 minutes to less suffering provides simple tools to reduce stress and worry allison is here today to discuss why we should stop comparing ourselves to other people Welcome, Allison. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me, Joan. Allison, this is such a great topic because I have to admit, this is something that I have done for years. After I went through a lot of the loss of my marriage and my mom and my sister, I, on a personal level, found myself scrolling through social media or looking at the lives of people I know, being jealous of the things that they had or that I believe they had and that I wanted. So, Why do you think this is something that we do? Why do we compare ourselves to other people? And it makes us feel so bad. So why do we do this? Well, Joan, I I think a lot of us have had the experience when we're at work or we're with a friend and we start to compare ourselves, just like you just said from your own life. We might compare our success to someone else's success. We might compare how someone looks to how we look or how much money someone has to how much money we have. Whatever we're comparing, usually when we compare, it doesn't make us feel good. And if it does make us feel good, it can't be long-lasting because when we compare ourselves to anything other than our own self, we're judging ourselves on a standard that's not authentic, that's not true to our divine nature. And I remember once someone told me a long time ago that when you compare yourself, it's like comparing an apple to an orange. And I always think about that when I start to compare because I think how ridiculous it is that we should ever compare an apple to an orange, but that's what we're doing when we compare ourselves to anybody else. And I've seen this come up the most when people get divorced or they break up um, with a girlfriend or a boyfriend because they believe that if their ex-girlfriend or boyfriend or ex-spouse is happy, they can't be happy too. And we forget that someone else's happiness has nothing to do with their own happiness. And the world is so large and there's so many opportunities and there's so many possibilities. So the truth is when we compare, we give our power away. And that's all we're doing because we're believing there's not enough. It's like a scarcity mentality. There's not enough for everybody, and the most difficult thing about when we compare ourselves is that we're not truly loving ourselves. And whether you're comparing material items, your body, looks, a job, when we compare ourselves, we're valuing ourselves based on the outside world. And the only way to be happy is to stop comparing, and if we can honor what we're capable of, honor our dreams, our goals, our bodies. And in fact, sometimes when we compare our bodies to someone else, we forget that these bodies allow us to be here. And so if we could stop comparing ourselves, we can look freely within ourselves and honor what is. And if you want to change something about your life, that's totally fine. But we must be grateful for who we are in order to discover our own talents and our goals and figure out what serves us. Because what other people do and how other people live is really not a concern of ours. Our only concern is our own path. 
Allison, can you give us some strategies that can help us stop making these comparisons? Of course, and I've worked with hundreds of people, and you'd be surprised that the most happy and joyful and successful people are the ones that don't compare themselves to anyone else. They're the ones who wake up in the morning and they look in the mirror and they smile and they appreciate what they have. And these people are competitive. Many of them are competitive. But what they do is they stay in their own lane and they don't sit around saying, I wish I had what she had. Why can't I be more like him? Why does she have that and I don't have that? So these people are successful because they look in the mirror and they say, I love myself and I'm thankful for what I have and I appreciate what I have. And this is the life I want to have. And these are the things I want to do. And instead of comparing themselves, they say, how can I create this in my own life? And if you go on Instagram and you're looking at someone else, we need to stop and say, oh, that person looks better than me. That person looks happier than me. And that person makes so much more money than me because none of it matters. You could want any life you want, and that's okay. But when you compare yourself to other people, you're giving it all away. And you're not going to have the energy to manifest in your life. And if you want to look at Instagram, you could say, oh, gee, I like what that person has. That's cool. How can I create something like that in my life? And that's different than feeling bad about yourself because they have it and you don't. So the first step is we need to all stay in our lane. And when we catch ourselves comparing and we start feeling bad, get off that device and recognize what you're thinking. And the first thing you can say to yourself when you start to compare is maybe these thoughts are not true. And then think about that analogy I said about comparing an apple to an orange because you're going to realize how ridiculous it is. And then try to center yourself. Take a deep breath and think about the things you have and what you have to be grateful for. If you're unhappy about something, start to think about how you can change it. How can you honor yourself and at the same time make changes in your life? And how can you achieve your goals? And if you see things around you that people have that you like, try to figure out if that's possible for you. Can you achieve it while you maintain your morals and your values and your self-love and your passion and your life's path? And if you start not to be happy about your body, go work out. And if you start looking at yourself in the mirror and you're not happy, try to be thankful that you could hear, that you could smell your hair, your legs, your arms at work. Focus on what's real and what matters to you. And don't let the outside world make you feel bad. You can let people inspire you and you can let people encourage you and you can let people move you forward. But if you're comparing yourself to other people and you're feeling bad, it's just going to make you stuck and it's going to keep you unhappy and it's really going to hold you back. So remember, comparisons are a waste of time. Life is so much more interesting and exciting when you get to know yourself and get to know what you're good at and you get to know what you love. And in such a kind, loving way, you could find your own path to embrace your own life to live your best life. Allison, thank you so much for joining us. If you would like to learn more about Allison and her work, if you would like to listen to her podcast, 10 Minutes to Less Suffering, you can visit her website, alisoncarmen.com. And as always, to hear more from Allison, you can visit our website, cyacyl.com slash Allison. This is Conversations with Joan. Stay with us. We'll be right back. You might ask, does food affect ADHD? I say, oh, yes. Hi, I'm Gail Gruenberg, CPOCD, Chief Executive Organizer of Let's Get Organized. As a professional organizing firm, we help clients organize their lives as well as their homes. We specialize in serving young families and clients who are chronically disorganized. We focus on the whole person, not just clutter. Clients with ADHD need to follow a diet that supports their unique brains. Food affects levels of the neurotransmitters serotonin and dopamine, which in turn affect mood and sleep regulation focus and motivation, which are hallmarks of ADHD. Studies have shown that eliminating foods containing sugar, gluten, dairy, eggs, certain meats, and food dyes improved symptoms in 70% of children with ADHD. Consuming lean proteins and complex carbohydrates boosts levels of neurotransmitters and stabilizes blood sugar. Drinking enough water throughout the day keeps the brain hydrated and focused, making it easier to create effective organizing systems. If you're challenged by disorganization, and are ready to accept outside help, call me. I'm Gail Gruenberg, and I can help bridge the gap between wanting to get organized and actually doing it. Call me at 201-364-6833 or visit my website at lgorganized.com. Hi, this is Joan Herman. Did you know that Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life publishes a free monthly digital magazine that can be read online or emailed to your inbox? 
Every month, nationally recognized leaders in their field provide information to educate, inspire, and motivate you. We believe in a holistic approach to life, incorporating mind, body, and spirit. Check out a copy of 24-7 Magazine, visit CYACYL.com, and be sure to tell your friends. Today in school, I learned a lot. In chemistry, I learned that no one likes me. In biology, I learned that I'm fat and stupid. In English, I learned that I'm disgusting. And in gym, I learned that I'm pathetic and a joke. The only thing I didn't learn in school today is why no one ever helps. Kids witness bullying every day. They want to help, but they don't know how. Teach them how to stop bullying and be more than a bystander at stopbullying.gov. This is WNYM, Hackensack, New Jersey, New York City. Welcome back to Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for staying with us. My next guest, Michael Walsh, provides a caregiver support platform that guides working caregivers and families as they plan for and manage the care of their loved ones. Michael is the CEO of Caraloop, a digital health company based in Dallas, Texas. Welcome, Michael. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Joan. Good to be here. So, Michael, being a caregiver is probably one of the hardest and most challenging roles a person can take on. I went through it twice in my life with both of my parents. I shared the role with my mother when my father was sick, and I was a sole caregiver for my mother. And this was about eight years ago. So what are some of the challenges that caregivers face today? Yeah, it's a really good question. And it's it's something that if you haven't ever experienced this before, like you just mentioned, Joan, with your own family, mm-hmm. it's sometimes it can be hard to wrap your mind around re- really what you go through as a caregiver. Because if you think about it, uh, especially if you're taking on the role of a caregiver for parents, grandparents, spouses, siblings, in-laws, things like this. I mean, most of these folks have jobs. They have families of their own that they're trying to to balance and juggle. So um, some of the uh, statistics that we're starting to see come out of groups like AARP, the National Business Group on Health, Genworth Financial, MetLife, all talking about just how much time during the workday this starts to chew up. Some studies saying it's going to chew up 15 to 20 hours of your week and that you're going to be doing this for sometimes an average of four years. So certainly trying to balance all the different things that you're trying to accomplish for yourself and your own family, let alone now you have to take on this role of, of a caregiver, uh, certainly could be a challenge. And what starts to happen over the long run, Joan, is that from a health and wellness standpoint, you're spending so much time doing this that you start not taking as good a care of, of yourself. Right. You stop going to doctor's appointments, dentist appointments. You you stop going home and grilling chicken and asparagus and you grab fast food instead. Like it's just these little things that, that start to add up over time really start to affect the overall financial and emotional well-being of that caregiver as well. So uh, it's hard. And I mean, I guess uh, just to punt it back to you, I mean, you said you did this with both parents. I mean, does this seem true and accurate to you based on your own experience? It does, because the, the let's talk about the second time when it was primarily myself, when I was doing it alone for my mother, I was the mother of two children and I was a wife. And so I was trying to juggle taking care of my mother um, for as long as I could. And then I actually had to bring on help, but I would take care of her. And that meant doctor visits and personal care and, you know, and everything that went along with that. Then I would run home and I would try to help my kids with their homework and cook dinner and, and take care of the house. And on top of that, I was doing freelance work, which gave me a little bit more freedom than someone having to go to a nine to five job, but I still had deadlines there. So all of the things that I experienced lead to something that you were beginning to describe, which is caregiver burnout. And so what are some of the signs of caregiver burnout? Yeah, and it's going to manifest itself in different ways, because like you just mentioned, even with your own story, everybody's situation is unique. Uh, You know, we see situations where you've got one caregiver taking everything on by themselves. And so, you know, the immediate signs, of course, are that they're not showing up to work on time or they're constantly late or exhausted because they're shouldering everything on their own. Uh, Another example is, is that we see this a lot as well, is where you've got, you know, many family members, you've got lots of cooks in the kitchen who want to be a part of this and trying to manage the family dynamics that come with that, create a whole different kind of stress, as you can imagine, trying to Uh, Keep your brothers, sisters, and everybody else happy and informed as to what's going on uh, can certainly lead to a lot of caregiver burnout where you're having to constantly be communicating updates to everybody. 
so, I mean, it all kind of leads in the same general direction as far as just the added stress that it puts on you from a, an emotional and financial point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's certainly why we got into the business we did, just to be able to, uh, you know, offer a platform, offer a service that caregivers and families didn't have to try and decipher and figure this all out by themselves anymore. So, Michael, let's talk about some of the strategies that family members and caregivers can implement, and then we'll follow up with some of the options that are available. Yeah, as far as some strategies you can implement, I mean, and some of these, Joan, will seem fairly obvious, but you can imagine the stories that we see and hear day in, day out. Um, And while they should be obvious, most people don't do these things. Something as simple as just as a family uh, getting together and having the conversation from a financial legal standpoint about what the future holds. You know, do, does the family have a living will in place? Are there directives? Who's the medical power of attorney? You know, when the fire drill happens, if there's some sort of medical event for a loved one where the family's scrambling, these are the questions that a lot of uh, hospitals, doctors are going to ask you. And if you've never had the conversation before, um, you're already trying to manage the stress of taking care of a loved one's health. Now suddenly you have to figure out the finances and the legal piece of it right there standing in the hospital. So simply starting to have those conversations, and those are some things that, again, like we can help you with. There's lots of resources online as well that you could reference. Being able to, as a family, effectively communicate. I talked about you know the situation where you've got family members scattered everywhere. Uh, we have found over the course of time of doing this, Joan, that most caregivers spend almost just as much time communicating back to everybody about what's going on as opposed to actually being there for the loved one they're caring for. So having a good communication plan and clear roles around who's doing what, when, where, how, and why certainly can help reduce some of that stress and that guilt of maybe we didn't do a good enough job of kind of communicating back to everybody about what was going on or we didn't meet some of their expectations. So some of these just basic things, again, while they seem obvious, Uh, could make a huge difference in the long run as you go on this journey. So, Michael, you've been saying as a family and in a perfect world, people are able to work together in a constructive way. But what about when siblings or family members argue or they're not able to agree? I'm sure you've seen that occur. What advice do you offer to those family members to manage that type of situation? Yeah, the best advice, and I will I will try to make this sound as not self-serving as possible, but it's, it's just such an asset to have a independent third party that can really help mentor and guide the family down this path. Uh, you know, we like to say that, you know, in, in the world today, when you're making complex legal decisions, most people bring in an attorney, right? Mm-hmm. When you're making complex financial decisions, you have a banker, a wealth manager, a financial advisor. When you're making complex healthcare decision, you know, most people are turning to their doctor, right? Well, uh, doctors, it's, it's, they're not easily accessible all the time. And so, especially when you have to make decisions very quickly as a family, uh, you need to have that counsel. You need to have that, that, that navigator, that guide. So uh, that's, that's certainly a huge component of this, is making sure that you've got the right information and you're making good sound decisions in the long run. So, Michael, tell us about Caraloop, what services you provide, and then also, if you would, please give us some links or some agencies that people can also reference if they're going through this situation. Yeah, absolutely. So, real quick on Caraloop, um, we were uh, we're based here in Dallas, as you mentioned at the beginning. We've been around now for about six years, uh, and we provide what we call the world's first human-powered caregiver support platform. Uh, really cool tool that combines a HIPAA-compliant cloud-based application that you can use on your PC, Mac, tablet, or smartphone uh, with a professional healthcare coaching service built into the application where caregivers and families uh, have access to their very own nurse or social workers through this app that really helps to guide them down this path and help them make decisions and remove barriers as they're trying to piece together the health and medical, the legal, the financial, the medication management, the transportation, the food delivery services, just all these things that you need to to arrange as a caregiver. Uh, Our coaches help you coordinate uh, all those different activities through this app. Uh, So really cool tool, totally changes the experience of what you're going through when you're you're caring for somebody. Um, And as far as resources that are out there, you know, uh, AARP has been a phenomenal voice in, in this arena the last couple of years. You're starting to hear a lot of commercials come out from them on uh, some of the, the, the content and the videos and the work that they're doing in this space. So certainly AARP is a good one to look at. Uh, if 
someone listening is working more on the corporate America side of things and looking at this uh, in terms of what this does to your employees, uh, the National Business Group on Health uh, has put out a lot of literature and done some studies on this recently that have a, a lot of great content and demographic analysis and uh, really just good content for, for benefited administrators and folks in HR and total rewards to consider as they think about taking care of their, their people. Michael, thank you so much for being here with us. If our listeners would like to get more information about Caraloop, you can visit Michael's site, caraloop.com. That's C-A-R-I-L-O-O-P.com, caraloop.com. Michael, this conversation is so important to have because, as I said, being a caregiver can be one of the most rewarding times in your life, but it can be also Mm -hmm. one of the worst times of your life. So as you said, it's important for all of us to be prepared, to have the necessary conversation, and to reach out for help because we don't have to go it alone. So thank you for being here and for sharing this really important life-changing information with us. Absolutely. Thanks, Joan, for having me. This is Conversations with Joan. Stay with us. We'll be right back. You have a court appearance ahead of you, and you are going to court pro se, which means without an attorney. How can you best prepare yourself for the big day? My name is Kimberly Johnston, and I am the founder of Family Court GPS LLC. We specialize in legal coaching and court preparation. One of the most important things to do is meet all of your deadlines. Once you file papers or you have been served papers, make sure you are thorough and you understand the court's deadlines. Each step may follow a different timeline, so be sure you are clear on each part. There are guidelines for your response to service. There is a certain timeline for presenting evidence and requesting witnesses. There will be court appearances, and there may be evaluations to be scheduled. Make sure you are on time and on point. If you miss a deadline, you could risk serious ramifications. Family Court GPS is here to help you prepare. We will keep your deadlines at the forefront and keep you on point. Don't panic. You are not alone. Call us at 201-316-2772 or visit our website, familycourtsgps.com. Wouldn't it be great if you could exercise in the middle of sleep? At the very least, we can learn to keep fit while we sit. I'm Dr. Michael Magwood, a chiropractor from Pure Balance Center with offices in New York City and Clifton, New Jersey. Today's tip for healthy sitting involves four rules to doing it better. First, improve your posture. Your chiropractor teaches very specific elongation exercises that can be done periodically during the day. Second, keep moving. Remind yourself to get up from your chair at least every 15 minutes, even if just for a moment. Third, optimize your workstation ergonomically. Our practice actually enters into the corporate world to do ergonomic workstation assessments. And four, address stress. Believe it or not, the demands of your job play a bigger role on your system than you realize. So remembering to breathe through your nose and actually measure that your respiratory rate is 12 breaths per minute or less will really, really help. I'm Dr. Michael Magwood from Pure Balance Center. For more information, please reach out to us at purebalancecenter.com or purebalancenyc.com. Hi, this is Joan Herman. Did you know that Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life publishes a free monthly digital magazine that can be read online or emailed to your inbox? Every month, nationally recognized leaders in their field provide information to educate, inspire, and motivate you. We believe in a holistic approach to life, incorporating mind, body, and spirit. Check out a copy of 24-7 Magazine, visit CYACYL.com, and be sure to tell your friends. Does your child snore or breathe with their mouth hanging open at night? Are they restless or just don't get a good night's sleep? Children that don't sleep well will have other troubles like slowed physical growth, behavioral issues at home or at school, and changes in their facial appearance, including crooked teeth. At the Center for Integrative Orthodontics, we treat the reasons that crooked teeth happen. People bring their children to us as young as three from all over the East Coast. To learn more, go to morethanstraightteeth.com. Health. Joining me 
today is Dr. Lorraine Maida, a functional and integrative medicine physician who practices anti-aging medicine, executive health, hormone replacement therapy, and weight management. She's the author of Vibrance for Life, How to Live Younger and Healthier. Dr. Maida is here today to discuss the gut-brain connection. Welcome, Dr. Maida. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Joan. Doctor, I hear a lot these days about the gut-brain connection. Can you tell us what that means and how it relates to overall health? Absolutely. I think many people have experienced a gut reaction or a gut-wrenching experience or, or the feeling of butterflies in their stomach when they're nervous. Well, these, these are phenomena where your gut and your brain are communicating with each other. And the brain communicates with the stomach at every, even the thought of food or the smell of food, and it signals the production of digestive enzymes. You know, even if you think of a lemon, your mouth waters. So if communication between the brain and the gut is blocked, it really affects digestion. You can't digest foods. Then you become nutritionally depleted, and you can have stomach pains, gas, bloating, other distress, and those nutrients feed your brain and you can have mood disorders as well. The communication goes both ways because a troubled intestine can also send signals to your brain. And interestingly enough, it can cause anxiety, stress, depression, and emotional illnesses because your, your gut makes serotonin, which is your antidepressant, your natural antidepressant. So if your gut is not working well, Neither is your brain. And people have a lot of mood disorders when, when there's digestive disorders. You know, just think of children that get a stomach ache when they're distressed. Adults do too, and they can experience things like constipation, diarrhea, nausea, irritable bowel, and a lot of mood disorders in response to stress, and that's the gut-brain connection. And we're learning so much more about this so that we can better control symptoms of anxiety, depression, heartburn, constipation, diarrhea, stomach pain, irritable bowel, by understanding this gut-brain connection. I think this connection is fascinating, and I think it's something that most people don't even think about. So how does this communication occur, and what other types of things does it influence besides what you just mentioned? Well, the gut and brain communicate through the nervous system. We have nerves running through all parts of our body, and that's how, you know, you can communicate through hormones, you can communicate through the immune system, and you can communicate through the nervous system. The brain uh, deals with all of them, and so does the gut. It's also called the second brain, and the second brain in the gut can give rise to so many mental, emotional conditions as well as physical illnesses because it's regulated by the types of organisms or the microbiome that live in your gut. These regulate your immune system, and these organisms talk to the brain. So you can have the good guys that go along the regular route, or you can have the bad guys that kind of send out bad signals. And they're studying this in depression, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, autism, ALS, multiple sclerosis, and pain and anxiety disorders, and so many other neurological conditions. And what they're finding is if they transplant good bacteria into people's colon, it reverses these conditions. It's amazing because it's the gut bugs that are causing some of these conditions. Doctor, how does a person know if these bugs are good or bad or if they cause illness? And then what can someone do about it? Well, what I do is I test what's in your gut and I take a look, what do you have? What do you have in there? You know, some people have parasites, worms, yeast, bacteria that doesn't belong there. And you know, you, just by having a good diet, you can change your bi- microbiome and staying away from sugar and processed foods. But sometimes you need to go further. And I use, you know, lifestyle measures. We can starve the bad bugs by taking away sugars and processed foods. Sometimes I'll give medication or herbals to kill off the harmful bacteria that are in there or microbes. It could be other things besides bacteria. It could be viruses or parasites. And you can feed the good probiotic bacteria. So probiotics are now being designed for different conditions. Sometimes I give digestive enzymes because if you're not taking the time to allow your digestive enzymes to start working, you can't digest your food. So giving digestive enzymes can help. And there's what they call the 4R program. Remove what's bad, 
replace what is missing, like digestive enzymes, repair the damage, and there are different supplements that can do that, and restore gut health with healthy lifestyle, healthy healthy living, uh, foods that feed the good bacteria, and, you know, there's something called prebiotic. So you'd be amazed at how many symptoms are alleviated with just these simple measures and how great people feel. All types of pain goes away, stomach, muscles, joint. People lose weight. They get better energy, more clarity. They sleep and think better, and they feel great. And one of the other bonuses is the skin clears up like you wouldn't believe. You know, their moms moms send their kids when they're going off to college and they're embarrassed about their acne. Just doing a gut protocol clears their skin up and they're happy campers. So I urge anybody with any mystery illnesses that just haven't been uh, tackled by conventional means to seek out a functional medicine physician who really knows how to uncover the root cause. You know, doctor, you and I over time have discussed so many different conditions and diseases of the body. And the underlying message, it's something really, I want to say it's simple. I mean, it's not simple to do, but it's, it's such a simple message. It comes down to diet. And that's something we have so much power over. Absolutely. And that's really why sugar and processed foods are your biggest enemy. Eating whole foods, eating foods that don't have, um, they're not sprayed with glycosate, they're not genetically modified. It can make all the difference in the world. And I have changed people in just two weeks with just diet alone. And that's something very powerful. And and thank you for that reminder. And thank you for being here with us. And if our listeners would like to learn more about this topic or any of the things that Dr. Maida has discussed, you can visit her website, howtoliveyounger.com. And as always, to hear more from Dr. Maida, you can visit our website, cyacyl.com slash Lorraine. That's it for today's show. Thank you for joining us. I hope you found the show informative. At Conversations with Joan, we believe that knowledge is power. Take what you've learned, apply it, and live your best life now. Remember that the information provided are the opinions of our guests and should never replace the advice of a professional who knows your personal situation. If you'd like more information, visit our website, cyacyl.com. That stands for Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. While on the site, listen to past shows on demand, read our digital magazine, take part in the book club, check out our team, and be sure to follow the show on social media. Until next time, this is Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. The preceding pre-recorded program sponsored by Maximilian Communications, LLC. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.